One of the most discussed topics in our MomForce Facebook group is what to do with picky eaters. We've all had one, right? Whether your little one hates vegetables or only eats white foods, the struggle to keep our families healthy and fed is real. Well, we're in luck today, folks, because registered dietitian Jennifer Anderson of the very popular Instagram account Kids Eating Color is here to share some genius tried and true tips and tricks for picky eaters. And she's giving a healthy dose of encouragement for us stressed out moms, too. Do you have a pressing question about parenting but don't know who to ask? We are women supporting women, and we've got you. I'm Vanessa Quigley, and welcome to the Mom Force Podcast brought to you by Chatbooks. Okay, hello, hello, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I have to say, there is so much chatter in our Mom Force Facebook group about picky eaters because it is something that I think every parent deals with or worries about, right? And there's so much fear around, mm-hmm. are we feeding our kids the right thing at the right time in the right amount. Jennifer, I'm so excited to dig in with you and learn more about you and the work that you do and your tips and tricks for all of us that are struggling with this. But can you start by telling us how did you get into this line of work and Do you relate to that fear that I'm talking about? Yes, absolutely. I was a first-time mom and I was standing in the doctor's office with my nine-month-old son and the pediatrician said, you know, he's not gaining enough weight. And I thought, what? I'm a dietitian. How could my child not be gaining enough weight? And that was really the moment that I learned firsthand that picky eating and feeding kids in general is really challenging. And we just may encounter challenges that we weren't expecting that we don't know how to handle. And it's a real thing. And that's when I began to specialize in pediatric feeding. So that was when your child was nine months old and you have two Mm -hmm. children now, right? I do. What are their ages? They're five and seven now. And my first child, he just tends to, you know, be really active, not that interested in eating. And my second one is more my selective eater, but we've been able to manage it because I spent so much time working on feeding with the first one that the second one kind of grew up in that environment. But I've gotten to deal firsthand with the challenges of a selective eater who, you know, didn't like avocado. It's like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? You're not allowed to not like avocado in this house. <laughs> but kids <laughs> don't care. Every... Kids don't care about no, you know, and... what you serve or who you are. It doesn't matter to them. And each child is so different. Mm-hmm. Strong, different personalities in right. different ways. Right. So it's not like one size fits all. Right. Well, so Jennifer, you're a registered dietitian. Mm-hmm. You're a mom with real life boots on the ground experience in mm-hmm. the kitchen at the dining right. table yeah. feeding your own kids. And you have this fabulous Instagram called Kids Eat in Color, Uh how to get picky kids to eat their veggies. You guys, if you're not following her, you've got to be following her. Every day there is so much great nitty gritty stuff in there. How long ago did you start that Instagram? So we started about three and a half years ago. I had had this feeling for a little while that I was not the only mom struggling with feeding my Mm -hmm. three-year-old who didn't want to eat at preschool. And I, I just thought, you know, I, I just can't be the only one. I can't be the only one. And maybe I can help another mom out. Yeah. And so January, 2017, I started the account just posting mediocre pictures of my kids' preschool lunch that I took in the kitchen the night before when I made them and providing some feeding advice, you know, 
this is what I've learned. This is what I do. This is why I do this and why it helps with eating and choosing and that sort of thing. But you were right. You weren't the only one struggling with that. And that's why you have over a million followers. (laughs) And that's why we're so lucky to have you here today to help answer some of our questions. So thank you, Jennifer. I want to just dive right in. Okay. Picky eaters. Let's start with how to prevent picky eaters, starting when they're babies, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, feeding a newborn is tricky enough. Breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. bottle feeding, like all of that. Mm -hmm. But that transition into solid foods, is there anything that moms and parents should or shouldn't do to help make that transition smooth and to, you know, nurture good, well-rounded eaters? Right. So I want to first say you cannot 100% prevent picky eating. You will hear people claim this. Oh, take my course. We'll prevent picky eating. And then okay. those people come to me and they're like, but I took the course and I did the thing. And then my kids are still picky, right? So a couple of things to keep in mind. There's a developmental shift that happens around one to two where a child can become afraid of new things. And maybe they have separation anxiety and this sort of thing. But that display is in picky eating with food as well. They're afraid of that new food. They're truly afraid of it. They don't know what to do with it. It's good because then our kids aren't out eating all kinds of random things, although they still do eat random things. (laughs) But it's a little different, right? So I just want to assure a parent, if you did all the things and you, the baby led weaning person said you could prevent picky eating and you did baby led weaning. And then all of a sudden your two-year-old is picky as I'll get out. It's not your fault. That is something that is beyond that is your, your control. Okay. Yeah. Now, there are some things that we know do help. Having a strong feeding environment and coming to the table as the mom. Like, I am the mom and I am in charge of this house. That helps. And okay. we can talk a little bit more. Also, letting your child choose whether to eat and how much that can help. And then during that transition from liquids to solids, we really want to see variety being presented on a regular basis. So that's why you'll hear from the baby led weaning community. Now I didn't do baby led weaning. It wasn't something that I had the capacity to do when I was weaning my child. I had, you know, depression and all sorts of other things. And frankly, it was too much for me, way too many rules, but I did various forms of it. We want babies to be exposed to a variety of flavors and textures during that weaning period and to get them onto solid food as quickly as their little mouths can handle it. We don't want to see babies hanging out with Gerber jarred foods for, you know, a year, two years, that sort of thing. That actually does increase picky eating. So we really want to focus on variety of flavors and textures, owning our role as the mom, as the parent, and then really letting our child own the role of what goes into their body. Okay. All right. So when I had my first child, I was 20... Was I 23? (laughs) I think I just barely turned 23. And we moved to France right after he was born. And so not only was I young and new mother, I didn't have a lot of coaching Mm -hmm. about like how to make this transition. And so Mm -hmm. his first year we were living in France and we just fed him everything we were eating, you know, as he seemed able to open his mouth. We're like, oh, here, try this soup, try this ice cream, you know, and he did did great. And thankfully he didn't have any, you know, allergies that like, you know, caused a problem because I know that there can be a concern there. But I felt like I am raising this child to appreciate the flavors of the world. And like, he loved everything. And then we moved back to the States and I was like, well, what do I feed him? He didn't really love the 
Gerber pureed baby foods. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, well, what can he eat with his little mouth and no teeth? And we landed on SpaghettiOs. He loved mm-hmm. SpaghettiOs. <laughs> so <laughs> I fed him SpaghettiOs like for lunch and for dinner. And he would just eat and eat and eat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's eating this whole bowl. He's still eating. I, I guess I got to heat up some more. And he would mm-hmm. eat until he would then throw them up all into the tray of oh my his gosh. high chair. And I'm like, <laughs> oh no, well now he's hungry because he's thrown up everything and now oh I'm going to keep gosh. feeding him SpaghettiOs. Yeah. Okay, so this was, I have seven kids. He was my first, mm-hmm. my guinea pig and all things. Yeah. I know mistakes were made there. <laughs> but what advice would you give to parents who are, you know, you're going off of your baby's cues, right? That was yeah, what I was doing right. with SpaghettiOs. But clearly yeah. I wasn't getting the right feedback. What are cues okay. that we should be looking for in our babies as we're, you know, transitioning to these whole foods and learning how much they should be eating. Sure. Well, I love what you did when you first had them. Like, I don't know what to feed them. I might as well feed them food that we're eating. Perfect. Mm -hmm. I love that attitude. And that's exactly what we want to see with parents coming to weaning there. We don't need special baby food and special grown up food. We just need people food and people food is, is the same. Now we do want to make sure it's a little softer for babies. So they're not going to choke on it. Other than that, they can eat everything we eat. And the earlier we introduce allergenic foods, the better. Now, if somebody has like a history of an allergy, obviously you want to check with the pediatrician, the allergist. But other than that, we want to expose kids to the widest variety of foods that we're eating as early as we can and help them grow into that. Now, right around one to two is where they might start to have some opinions about what we're eating. But we still want to do what you did, which is basically if my child is still indicating that they want more food, I provide them with more food. There may be a few times where your child throws up. What in my personal experience, usually kids don't do that very often. And if they're throwing up repeatedly, you need to check in with the pediatrician just to make sure everything's okay. It can be a red flag for a few things. Some kids just have trouble learning their hunger and fullness. Yes. And you know, and I saw that as he grew up, I continued to see like, oh, he does it. He could Mm -hmm. just eat this entire pizza. He doesn't have really that trigger that says stop. So maybe that was just him and his personality. Yeah. So I, what I would say is probably more his sensory system. Some people have less of a sense of fullness and they just instinctively don't tune into that. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the child. It just means that's less of a sensory experience for them. And so they don't really know that they're hungry or full. And so what we could do is we can actually do some exercises with kids like that. Once they're verbal and a little older, maybe maybe four at the minimum, maybe five, you know, something like that, where we have them say, drink a whole bunch of water and then say, do you feel that? Do you feel that? That's full. And when we feel that, that means we can stop eating and we'll still feel good afterwards that we won't throw up. So we could do little exercises with them to help them tune in while still giving them the ability to kind of eat until they're full and eat as much as they want because some babies, oh man, they could just pack it down. Now, not all <laughs> babies are going to throw up, but no, I mean, seriously, they will sometimes eat as much as an adult and you're yes. thinking, oh my gosh, uh, how is this going to affect their body? Maybe they're eating too much. 9.5 times out of 10, a kid is perfectly normal. They just like the food and they're hungry that day. And there's going to be another day that they're going to make up for it by eating two bites. And then you're going to be freaking out the other way. And then you're going to be thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to die because they only have two bites of food. 
we have to take a step back and think, you know what? It's not our jobs to be in charge of the size or shape of our child. It's not our job to get them to swallow certain foods. It's our job to put the food on the table, to provide a consistent meal routine for them, to sit with them, and to provide a calm eating environment. And we're doing our job as the parent of providing that eating environment and not letting them run the eating show, not letting them decide what we're going to eat or when we're going to eat or run around, you know, chase them with a fork, you know. Mm-hmm. When we can step back and provide that, it's a really strong eating foundation. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> but then when you have a baby who isn't verbal and they are right. maybe throwing their food on the floor or yeah. refusing everything that you put in front of them, that can be really challenging so and so stressful. Okay, so we have mm-hmm. a question actually that was in our Mom Force Facebook group that I'm hoping that you can help us with. This is from a yeah. call. And she says, my daughter is 12 months and hates eating food. I've tried letting her feed herself and she spits it out and throws it on the floor. I've tried feeding her and she hits it out of my hand. She's hungry and grumpy and it's just a continual fight and takes hours to get her to eat. I'll give her a bottle at night with whole milk, but she can't get all of her nutrients from that. What should I be feeding her? I'm so stressed about what I can make her that is healthy. Okay, there's so okay. many things in this so question. So many things. Are there? Such, so great. Refusing yeah. to eat, but hungry, all the yeah. stress and frustration. What advice would you give McCall? Okay, so I would start here. Mom, you got to take a step back and let okay. it go. Deep breath. Like, <laughs> deep breath. We're going to let go of the food battles. Not your job to decide what she swallows. Now, it is your job to put something on the table. Now, if she is not liking absolutely any food, I want you to ask yourself, is it true that she's not eating any foods at all? Because she's drinking milk. We know that. So that's good. So she has one food, and I would call that a safe food. That's a food that she feels comfortable with. Write down a list of all the foods that she will feed herself. And that's your list. That's your list of foods that you're going to feed. When you have a situation where you have an, an extremely picky eater, and I would say in a 12-month-old who is batting all, all foods except for maybe five foods off the tray, you have an extremely picky eater, you're going to need more support. It's not normal for kids to only eat five foods, but it doesn't mean there's nothing you can do and nothing you can help. That's actually what my Better Bites program is for, is for families who are really struggling with picky eaters. And it's for ages zero to 10. So we actually go through... How do you set up a meal schedule for these kids? How do you provide meals that provide a safe food for them, but also push them to be exposed to other foods? How do you make sure that you're not pressuring them? Because I would say that's the other thing, probably when we're pressuring kids, even 12-month-olds, they know. My guess is she's probably a really strong, wonderful, creative child, and she doesn't want you telling her what to eat. She probably has her own opinions. It looks like she's really good at communicating them, dropping it on the floor, batting out of your hand. So it's great. She's communicative. You're doing great. You're trying new foods. But it's also important to note that she probably does have a, a harder time accepting new foods than a typical child. And there are some things that you can do to help her expand her diet over time. It's not going to be easy, but... You could start with the basics of, okay, we're going to have a meal and snack schedule. These, this is when we eat our meals. I'm the mom. I'm serving the foods, but I'm always, always, always going to serve one of those safe foods that you love. And I'm going to let you eat as much as you want of it so that you feel safe. You can fill up your tummy on milk a couple times a day or once a day or whatever. And, and we're going to eat at the table. Sounds like she is eating at the table. 
at a high chart, which is great. You mentioned a meal and snack schedule. I want, I mm-hmm. want to ask more about that. What, yeah. what does that look like? And does it change from a one-year-old as we move into the toddler years? Yes and no. So we, we want to make sure we're providing three solid meals a day. Kids know when they are, you know, when they are. Yeah. If you need to be a little bit flexible, that's totally fine. Sometimes I call it a meal routine, sometimes a mm-hmm. schedule, but kids shouldn't be eating all the time. They shouldn't be eating every hour. They shouldn't be eating every single time they ask for food. Instead, I'm the parent. I'm going to provide that nurturing for you three times a day. And then if my child needs snacks, I also schedule those. So in my family, we're a three meal, three snack family based on my kids' needs. Mm -hmm. Other families are just three meals. Most families I find with toddlers are three meals, two snacks or three meals, one snack. So you find what works. You find the spacing that works for your family. And that's when you have food and you sit down for those meals. Whether If you don't have a table, you're sitting on the floor. If you do have a table, you're sitting there, the kid in the high chair, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole bit. But it's not a free for all. Even for snacks? You're sitting yeah. at the table for snacks? No snacks yeah, in front of the sure. TV while no. watching their shows? <laughs> okay. That's so, how I snack. Know, <laughs> obviously, that happens now and then. But if we could provide a, a situation where they're eating at the table, they're, they can be exposed to new foods. They can learn to eat better. They learn social skills, verbal skills, developmental skills. They learn how to use utensils. You have the opportunity to provide fruits and veggies at the meal mm-hmm. or snack. And it just totally changes the dynamic. A picky eater isn't going to learn to branch out if they're sitting in front of the screen watching because they're not getting any of that sensory exposure to the food that they're eating. So this sounds like real serious business. You know, mom's got to be in charge. We need a schedule. We need a list. Screens off. We need to be at the table. How do you keep from the stress creeping in then (laughs) of this, like, yeah, I got to get nutrients in the child's body. How do you keep it lighthearted and and not freak out? Yeah. So I think exactly what you said, your stress was, how do I get the nutrients in my kid? And that is what you have to let go of. You have to let go of that. You know what? It's actually my child's job to get the nutrients in their body. And as the mom, I feel you on this. I've been there. You know, my kid, because he wasn't eating, was at risk of anemia. So instead of that, we have to take all of our energy that we when we're looking at our cute, adorable, precious little child, that toddler at the table, and we're thinking, just eat it. And we're getting super stressed, super stressed. Instead, we take that off and we say, you know what? That's his job. I am going to let him have his space. Instead, I'm going to take all that energy and I'm going to put it into making a balanced meal with a safe food. I'm going to put that into enforcing the mealtime schedule. And I'm going to put that into enforcing mealtime at the table. I have three things to enforce, what, when, and where of meals. Okay. And you're exactly right. It's a job. Like, goodness, parenting is a real job, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like six times a day with these kids, I got to do this whole rigmarole. The thing is the stress actually comes down when I stop focusing on whether or not my child is eating. Okay. And that's where we get the most worked up is when we're worried about our child, but we have to realize, you know, they're going to eat different amounts on different days. When we look at the course of a day or we look at the course of the week, realize most children are eating the variety that they need to grow and thrive. Right. And I remember a pediatrician once told me like, don't worry, like they aren't going to starve themselves. They will Mm -hmm. eat when they're ready to eat and what they're ready to eat. Just keep providing opportunities for them to eat. 
Sure. And you agree with sure. that philosophy? I agree with it for like, you know, 90% of kids, that's true. For the 10% of kids who are extremely picky eaters, they will starve themselves. Like the 12 month old we were talking really? about. Really? Like legit? Will starve themselves? Yeah. Oh, terrifying. yeah. Kids have ended up in the hospital, right? <sighs> So yes, there's always that small group of kids where they're so disgusted, so suspicious, or so fearful of these foods that are being provided to them. They're so stressed out. They literally can't eat and won't eat. And that's why I always kind of back that off and say, okay, it's true. Most kids aren't going to starve themselves, but some would. Mm -hmm. So I don't generally say that. What I say is always provide a safe food. If you always have a food that you know your child is comfortable with at a meal in unlimited quantities, your child will not starve themselves. Okay. You mentioned something that your child won't choke on. And I know I've seen your stories about Mm -hmm. choking hazards. And so as we're like transitioning into solid foods from babies and toddlers are exploring more things, what are the things that we should be watching out for when it comes to choking hazards? Sure. So I, I usually think of two things, shape and hardness. Okay. And those are, those are things. So anything that's kind of like a round smooth, like a grape, a hot dog, a chunk of a, a hot dog, even a clementine wedge, something like that. Anything that's really bigger than your pinky finger is something that a child could choke on. So especially as they move into the toddler years and you're chopping things up, you want to chop them to be smaller than your pinky finger, especially as they're learning to eat. And then you don't want to be serving chunks of hard things. So if you want to serve an apple to a toddler who's just learning to eat, you shred it up or you soften it first until you can take it in between your fingers and give it a little squish. And it's pretty easy because even if they don't have teeth, their gums are like your forefinger and your thumb and your, yeah. their gums can squish. So yeah. as long as you're doing those two things, you should be fine. Okay. Well, I think this is one of the reasons why those pouches are so mm-hmm. handy because you feel like you're getting solid foods, but you don't have to worry about it choking and they can kind mm-hmm. of feed themselves. And my youngest is 12. And so those pouches just came out when he was a toddler. And I thought, these are amazing. Like yeah. he could feed himself. And I was always putting him in my purse every time we'd go out. But can they become a crutch? Like what, what are your thoughts yeah. on yeah. pouches? I think they're extremely convenient. Like you said, you know, if you want to go somewhere or have a pretty messless snack and you've got to be out, they're perfect. I use them for convenience. What the challenge is for using them at home instead of feeding solid food is they're missing out on all of the developmental and the sensory exposure to those foods. So they don't smell it really. They don't, the taste isn't exactly what they're tasting. Like if it's a kale mango pouch, nine times out of 10, actually 10 times out of 10, it's not actually going to taste like steamed kale. It's going to taste like mango. (laughs) Right. So they're not getting exposure to the foods on the package. And then they're not learning to eat. They're not actually engaged in their food. I actually have a highlight on this that shows my son eating a pouch and he's just kind of like sucking it, staring off into the distance, not really engaged with his food. And then I feed him something else, a puree, uh, I think it's yogurt in a dish. And you see when he eats out of a dish, he's smelling it, he's tasting it, he's touching it, he dips his finger in it and wipes it on his face, which is a great sensory thing. And then he's learning to use a spoon and he's looking at his food and he's engaged. So it teaches mindful eating when we serve foods outside of a pouch. Now, I'm not saying throw out all your pouches because like I said, I use them and I think they're a great convenience now and then, but we don't want to use them all the time. 
Right. So it's not just a, a nutrient delivery system. Like eating right. is supposed to be a sensory experience. The colors, exactly. the textures, the smells. Because the, we want them eating yes, more foods yes, as they grow yes. up. But a pouch can be very handy, but just the right time, Absolutely. the right place. So talking about toddlers. So as we know, toddlers, they're amazing. They're wonderful. They also mm-hmm. are more verbal, more vocal, more opinionated. They can be really... Mm-hmm. stubborn as well. And my first couple of kids were really good eaters. My third, though, when he was a toddler, decided that he did not like fruit. And I always served fruit with every meal, like different melon or berry or something. And mm-hmm. he was like, no, I don't like fruit. I can't look at fruit. I can't smell fruit. If you're eating fruit, I got to go to the other room. And that was the most bizarre thing to me. Of all things, fruit. Like, who doesn't like fruit? And We found ourselves kind of battling that a little bit, which wasn't very fun. Eventually, he's now 23 and he eats fruit, but it took many, many years. In your experience, if you have a child that has absolutely said, I will never eat this category of food, how freaked out should we be? (laughs) And is it just a waiting game? Does eventually everybody come around on every food? When a child drops a food group off a list, if it happens to be fruit, I generally don't worry about it that much because as long as they're eating veggies to make up for it, it's fine. Nutritionally, vegetables tend to be a little more, bit more nutrient dense than fruits anyway, so they can still get those vitamin Cs, those uh, you know, all the things that are in colorful foods from veggies. So mm-hmm. if the child chooses veggies over fruit, I don't really worry about it. If the child says, "I'm not going to eat grains." Eh, that could be that could be a problem, but it's also totally fine. I wouldn't worry a lot about that one. If a child says, I'm not going to eat dairy or I can't eat dairy, then we have to look at alternatives for calcium. But that's doable too. The thing is, once they take out dairy or protein foods, then we have a big nutritional problem on our hands. Okay. And we have to find something that they will eat that is a protein food. Now, there are lots of protein foods. There's meat, beans, eggs, dairy, seeds, nuts, chicken right? Nuggets. So we have a, chicken nuggets, a protein chicken nuggets, food, or is that's that a, a great food? protein food. <laughs> it's a great protein food okay. if your child needs that. Um, so in those cases, I worry more about nutritional shortfalls. What I'm most concerned about is if a child takes a whole food group off their list and then starts to drop more and more and more and more other foods off their list, that can be indicative of something else that they have a sensory issue that they're working through. The picky eating is more of an issue and you need more support. So mm-hmm. you're either uh, joining a self-education program like the one I have, or you're going to one-on-one feeding therapy, or you're meeting with an occupational therapist or something like that. Um, in general, many kids grow out of picky eating. 25% of them, 25% of extremely picky eaters will never outgrow it. And that's where you see adults who are still eating chicken nuggets primarily yeah. as their food or adults who can't eat unless they're in front of a TV. But when I've seen that in adults, I've thought oh, their mother, that's their mother's fault. They did not right. do a good enough job. Like in bad on me, yeah. that's mom shaming. I should not be doing that. But it's it's reminded me that I feel like it's my job to expose them to this wide variety right. of foods. But it is very alarming when a child says, no, I'm absolutely not going to eat anything. Yeah. And now my youngest, who, who is also saying he doesn't eat fruit, he'll eat clementines. That is the one okay. exception. But no amount of watermelon or berries or any of the things that I can't get enough of 
mm-hmm. even tempts him. But and I, because I've lived through this with my older son, I'm like, yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. I think for that one in particular, especially, I mean, clementines are full of vitamin C and that's one of the main things that I look for in fruit or veggie, although there's tons of vitamins and minerals, but we have to remember we hear that judgment of moms. Like it's your fault that you didn't do something, but there is a subset of extremely picky eaters. Those picky eaters, unless they get advanced help, they won't outgrow it. And it it doesn't matter what the parent did. They can't outgrow it because they haven't been given the tools to overcome their own sensory system or to develop their own sensory system, or to manage their own fears of food. And so usually when you see an adult who's an extremely picky eater still, it's not just their parents' fault. Now, it doesn't mean their parents couldn't have done anything differently, but chances are they were never exposed to any strategies to manage a child with extreme picky eating. And it's just not that well-known what you could do or what you would want to do or what you should do. And so I don't, I don't really fault any parent. I have heard you say that a couple of times that you need additional support. So in a registered dietitian or through a program, I know you have some programs. Mm -hmm. That's so good to know, because I don't think I realized that when I was a mom with a bunch of young kids, I had no idea. Right. Yeah. How would you know? Yeah. And the pediatricians actually don't often know about picky eating either, which is interesting. Well, I didn't get any. My only advice was he's not going to starve. Just keep putting food in front of him. He'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. And pediatricians say all kinds of things because you know what? They didn't get the training in nutrition, which is understandable. They were training and everything else. And they usually can't refer unless your child has a medical problem. A medical problem would be your child is losing weight or your child hasn't gained weight for a really long time. And they don't know who to refer to. They may eventually at that point refer out, but you don't want to get your child to that point. Or what if you have a problem, but your child doesn't quite have a medical problem yet. Yeah. Right. So There's that's, that's where the better bites program came out of because, you know, it's hard to find someone to work with one-on-one. It's also very expensive. So this is a more affordable, easy, accessible, accessible. option to families. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. All right. I have another question from the mom force Facebook group, and mm-hmm. this is not like she doesn't need a medical you know, intervention here, but this is something that I think a lot of moms can relate to. She says, I've been struggling with my three-year-old. What do you do when you make something your kids don't like? Make them something else? Have them sit until they eat it anyway? Or send them to bed hungry? It's mostly at dinner (laughs) when she won't eat what we give her. And I'm tired of wasting food. But I also don't want to give her the same thing all the time. Okay. Classic scenario here, right? Classic. classic, I also hate wasting food and often end up eating their food if they don't, which I hate doing that too. Um, What would you say to to this mom? Yeah. So I would say you have an amazing strong-willed, wonderful three-year-old. That's amazing. You need to give them more control over their plate. Start serving family style and tell your three-year-old, oh, you don't have to eat it. That's fine. What's family style? Just call put- their... So family style is where you would put the food on the table, but not put the food on their plate unless they ask for oh, it or unless they, they put it, it on their themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So the fastest way to eliminate food waste is to stop putting food on their plate. <laughs> like, okay. Just stop. Don't don't give them any food. In fact, I find this to be one of the most effective ways at working with kids who are strong. They're strong about their opinions and their body. And uh, yeah, you just don't put food on your plate. Dish yourself up a whole plate. Begin enjoying the meal, and then they may ask, "Where's mine?" 
why didn't I get any of that? And you can say, oh, would you like some? And, oh, here's the bowl. Why don't you take, you could use that spoon to put some on your plate. And then they take a small portion. And then you can teach at that time to put a small portion on the plate. But my favorite phrase when you don't have an extremely picky eater, but you just have just a typical run of the mill, I've got opinions about my (laughs) food kid. You just say, oh, you don't have to eat it. No problem. Because you know what? The battles are gone. They're over. What are they going to battle you about? You just yeah. took it away. There, there is no battle. But why do I feel like they do have to eat it? <laughs> like I made this and this right. is healthy well, for you. And Right. Yeah, so that's that our problem. Mm-hmm. We have taken on that problem. I made it and I'm going to get my win when you eat it. But we have just given our child way too much power. Mm-hmm. We need to take that back on ourselves and say, I am the mom, I made it, and I feel good about what I made. And yeah. I provided a safe food as an accessibility measure for every person in my family so that I know even if they only bred for this meal, that was their choice, that was part of the meal. And there's no way I can lose because I put the food on the table, I fed the family. And we have to give kids the agency of their own body to sometimes choose not yeah. to eat. Now, yeah. this is where the parenting gets tricky. Because then your three-year-old, they say, well, I didn't have to eat, so I didn't eat. And then 10 minutes after the meal, they're going to come back to you, mommy, can I have a snack? Yes, 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 yeah. yes. And here's where you have to do some real work on yourself and your parenting skills and say, oh gosh, I'm still the parent. And you know what? In my family, now in my family, we do have a bedtime snack, so this wouldn't be an issue. But many families don't have a bedtime snack, and that's yeah. fine. If you don't have a bedtime snack, you don't have a bedtime snack. Now, I want to draw the distinction between sending a child to bed hungry, which is a phrase that came from a very punitive form of parenting where food was used as punishment. We never, ever, ever want to do that. We never want to, quote, send a child to bed hungry. Mm -hmm. What we do want to do is we want to allow a child to decide whether or not to eat and provide a very consistent structure so that they know when meals and snacks are, and they will always be allowed to eat as much as they want at any meal or snack. So if a child doesn't eat dinner, you can remind them, you can say, oh, you know what? This is the last meal of the day. And then we're going to have bedtime. And then we're going to have breakfast in the morning. So if you don't eat now, you might be hungry mm-hmm. and tell them. And then they tell them they that. Can assume that and responsibility. then they, can, they yeah. can take on that responsibility. And it's true. They may choose not to eat. They may hu- be hungry in the middle of the night. What I find is it usually doesn't take heads a couple times of waking up in the middle of the night to figure out, oh, I should actually eat my dinner because mom's serious. She's not going to make me a special (laughs) snack right before bed. And, but you know what? She's going to wake up and she's going to make me a big breakfast and it's going to be awesome. And I am being nurtured, right? And my mom is providing structure. Now, if a kid wakes up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep, because they're hungry, I always feed them something real quick, like a piece of cheddar cheese or a piece of toast or whatever, like Mm -hmm. real quick, they get what they need to go back to sleep. And then we move on. This is not an incentive. They don't want to be up in the middle of the night. You don't want to be up in the middle of the night, but it's, it's necessary to take care of your child if they're, you know, have that, but it's perfectly okay. And I have done, uh, I've done a workshop with a psychologist on there. She's totally on board allowing kids to choose what they're going to do with their own body. is just so empowering over time. Even if you have that short window where you're like, oh my gosh, my child is hungry. It's a sensation and it's okay to have that sensation for a little bit of time. As long as you're not trying to use that to punish your child, that's where we run into problems. 
Yeah, I love hearing you say that teaching our kids that they're in control of their bodies, like that feels like a big thing that we want to teach mm -hmm. them that will affect lots of their life, right. like a lot of different right. parts of their life. And recognizing that so much of, I think, the power struggle with dinner time is our problem. It's our issues. It's our insecurities. Right. It's our defensiveness that like, I just slaved in the kitchen where I just worked so yeah. hard. I'm making this meal and you have to eat it. Like it's good for you. Right. It's healthy for you. Everyone else likes it. What's wrong with you? Gosh. Okay. This is like it's a hard. total like mind shift. <laughs> yes. But to this mom's point, you know, maybe you do end up feeding the same thing. Maybe rice is a safe food. So every meal mm -hmm. there's rice and then you try different vegetables or different proteins mm -hmm. to go with it. And then as you continue to expose them to new things, they might be more likely to voluntarily try. Yeah. Especially when they don't have to. Yeah. That's like once you key. tell a three-year-old they have to do something, uh -uh. I mean, kiss your success goodbye. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> I have a 14-year-old who just yep. went through, you know, family style that I didn't know that that's what we were doing, but that's how I serve most of my meals is I just put it out and everyone dishes up how much ever mm -hmm. they want. And she routinely comes through the line with just rice. And maybe mm -hmm. like yesterday there was rice with a teeny little shred of chicken on it. And I'm like, seriously? Like, yeah, that's all you want? And I feel like because she's 14, she should be better than that. Is there like... Yeah, but she's... <laughs> so, okay. I, I haven't had a teenager yet. So I'm not speaking from teenager mom experience. Yeah. But from what I understand of teenagers, they're like, like three-year-olds. And that's why we call them three-nagers, okay. right? Yes. <laughs> they're establishing their their independence, right? They're establishing their agency over their own body. They're establishing their place in the world. They don't, they certainly don't want to do what you want them to do, you know, over time. Mm -hmm. And so the more you care and the more you visibly yeah. care, the more that they're going to be more likely to be like, hmm, I mean, I wonder, you know, if I just put three grains of rice on my plate and one shred of tomato, mom's going to, I'm going to rise out of mom. And not to say anything bad about it. It isn't bad, right? We take it. I think we take it really personally and it's easy to do because yeah, sleeping in the kitchen for 45 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half, like that's a real, that's yeah. a real investment that we've made. And then our kids like, well, eh, I don't want that anyway. But when we can give when we could take a step back and think, you know what? I did my job. I did my job. My job was to give my families balanced options. Your teenager is still learning what a balanced meal looks like. Whether or not they choose to eat it at that time is a totally different thing. But they're still seeing, this is how I feed a family. I feed a family balanced options. I give my family the agency to choose what to actually put in their body. These are all long-term life skills that you're giving your daughter, regardless of what she's choosing to eat. Yeah. Now I will say with teenagers often, and I don't think this is what's happening with your child by any means, but I just want to put that out there is, you know, if we are observing a child is developing maybe new nutrient deficiencies or extremely restricting or having weight loss or something like that, we may want to check in with them just emotionally and mentally and make sure they're okay. Yeah. Because that can be a time when like eating disorders or mental disorders start to surface. And like I said, I don't think that's what's happening with your child at all. Um, but I think I would be remiss to not mention that no, once I'm, we have older children, some other things can be going on that no, we just want to be that. aware of. Because I'm not going to lie, it's crossed my mind because she also mm -hmm. like rarely wants breakfast. Turns out she doesn't like eggs now. So 
no wonder she hasn't been yeah. eating my breakfast. <laughs> There's like, yeah, I think that's a good thing to to keep in mind. And but it's always, and- you know, I, I I think we shouldn't be afraid to acknowledge that something could be wrong. We don't want to blow it out of proportion or anything, yeah. but just, you know, as moms, I think we're great at kind of pondering what's happening. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? We can watch. We're really good at watching and gathering data on our kids and, and that gut and saying, okay, instinct that something's Yeah, off. that gut instinct is good. Yeah. So when we're watching our kid and we're seeing, okay, she's eating less is, does this have something to do with their body image? Or is it just the fact that she's not that hungry? Is she having stress? Is that affecting her appetite? Trying to maintain that open communication is going to be way more important than focusing on what she eats. But what she eats might be just a a red flag. I was talking to another mom who had a teenage daughter and she was really concerned that her child had an eating disorder. I was like, this close to really getting her evaluated and all sorts of things. And then she thought, you know what? I wonder if there's a nutrition, I wonder if there's a nutrition or a hormone component because her daughter was going through some puberty uh, changes and things yes. like that. I wonder if different foods are what her body needs right now. And she actually changed to more of a high fat animal product based diet for her daughter based on, you know, some observations she made. Like, I think she really needs kind of this higher fat diet. Um, so she started incorporating some more red meats and, you know, nothing extreme, still providing variety, but just including these more hearty meals. And her daughter totally turned around. These attitude problems changed. And it was just a fact that her daughter needed some things that were a little more hearty and the foods that she had eaten before just for some reason weren't what her body needed. So I think, you know, kind of going with your mom gut, exploring the paths and, and not jumping to conclusions or assuming that your child is just trying to be difficult. Cause usually they're not just trying to be difficult. Yeah. There's something else going on. Well, and you're reminding us that this, you know, worrying about what our kids are eating, it's not a baby thing. It's not a toddler thing. You never right. outgrow it. Actually, my oldest is 25 right. and I still worry, is he, is he getting enough? To eat? Is he ha- how's his nutrition? <laughs> <laughs> it's like right, right. I think it's a mo- it's a thing that a mom is always going to be like tuned into and thinking about and worrying about. Okay, so it, we're coming into full on holiday season right now, which for mm-hmm. me, growing up in my family, it's sweets, a lot of sweets, a lot of treats. Like so many of our holiday traditions are around treats. And I wanted to ask you, we've been talking about all the things that we want to make sure that our kids do eat. Is there something that we should be completely off limits? And I knew a family once who sugar was off limits. Like they were not allowed to have sugar in their house. And so when their kids came to our house, they would go straight to the pantry eating cold cereal, like (laughs) anything they could get their hands on. They just had to get that sugar fix, right? So I learned by watching that, that it's probably not a good idea to have like a totally off limit food. Right. But especially this time of year when there are so many sweets available, how do we manage that? And and what's your philosophy of, about dessert throughout the year? Like, is dessert yeah. a thing that we should be doing? We should we be rewarding with dessert? I want to get the Jennifer Kids Eating Color lowdown yeah. on this. Well, let's talk about dessert, how to manage it. Okay. So a couple of things. One, I completely agree with you. Don't put any foods off limits because guess what? The older kids get, the more agency they will have to get what they want. And the more that we restrict them, the more that their bodies and their minds will crave what we've restricted. There's even research showing if you call food bad, yeah. people want it more because- Yes, I, I, that's me. Sick, like, <laughs> like, that's why diets don't work You're telling me that m M&M is bad? That is the best <laughs> thing I ever I tasted. So if foods are bad, <laughs> yeah. load me up with all the bad stuff, right? So we don't call food bad. We don't call foods good. I prefer to just call foods by their name 
that's such a descriptive, healthy way to talk about foods rather than trying to categorize them as healthy, unhealthy, this, that, or the other thing. So I prefer to keep it neutral year round. Then we move to, well, what do we do on a daily basis? Okay. Well, in our family, we've managed to keep sugar off of the pedestal for the most part. I mean, my kids still get super excited. As soon as they go to school, this like annoys me to no end. Mm -hmm. As soon as they go to school, teachers are using treats as rewards and they're putting food rules and all sorts of things and calling sugar unhealthy and all this stuff. And so no matter what you do when your kids are young and no matter what work you do, it may be kind of quote undone as soon as they go to school. My kids are have this fascination with fruit snacks right now because they think they're delicious because they are. <laughs> and some kids at school have them every day. So I bought a box and I put some in their lunch three days in a row just to kind of take it off the pedestal. Hey, nothing wrong with fruit snacks. We include them in a lunch. They were super excited. Then they came back. Oh my gosh, so-and-so has fruit snacks in their lunch every single day. It's like, oh, would you like more fruit snacks? Because the more I say, oh no, fruit snacks aren't good for your teeth. They are not good for you. The more that one, they might be willing to think that their friend, there's something wrong with their friend or their family. The more that they are suddenly equipped with this idea that they have some sort of moral high ground and they're going to judge their friend. And three, that this is an amazing food. And if they ever find it, they should eat as much as they can and hoard it and sneak it and hide it under their bed. Hide it under their bed, yes. (laughs) So instead, we say, oh, fruit snacks, no problem. I'm here for you. I hear that you want fruit snacks, something you feel is incredibly important to you. I'm going to put it in your lunch a couple times a week, maybe forever. Now, do I, am I super excited about this? No, I'm not because fruit snacks cause cavities, right? I'm not. But I do see that this is a really strong interest and desire of my child. And if I can meet them there and say, I hear you, and I'm going to show you how we can include fruit snacks in our diet every day and still eat our fruits, our veggies, our grains, our proteins, like the whole thing. We can be healthy and we can have fruit snacks every day because guess what? Fruit snacks every day doesn't hold a candle to them going over to their friend and eating a whole box of fruit snacks in secret right? every single time they go over to their friend's house. I know. Right? So we have to give a perspective. Because then you end up with shame around food, right? right. And, and in our attempts to try to teach healthy eating and like, these are always foods and these are sometimes foods and these are never foods. You're creating like all of this weird stuff that yeah. will end yeah. up with a child in the neighbor's, you know, pantry, scarf it down with Snickers as fast as they can. Right. I've done that. As a child, I've done that. Right. Like, yeah. Oh. So instead we can take a more laid back approach and we could say, yeah, you know what? We, I mean, I opt for low sugar things in general. My kids eat a low sugar diet, but when they express an interest, I mean, I'm there. We have cookies. All you can eat cookies as a snack every so often, once a week or twice a month. It's just, there, right? So you're allowed to eat as many cookies as you want when that's what is served for snack, because that's, that's how we do our meals. Now, the other tool that I use is a small portion of dessert with dinner. How many days a week? You know, it depends on your family. I mean, if mm-hmm. dessert every day is your family's thing, then every It's my day. husband's thing. <laughs> okay. Husband's so your husband wants I'm... dessert every night. That's fine. <laughs> so what I do with the kids is a small portion on their plate with a meal, just like every other food, 
they can decide what they want to do with that. Do they want to eat it now, later? It doesn't matter. I don't comment at all. And I found that's the fastest way to take dessert off of a pedestal. So if my kids started talking about fruit snacks all day, every day, that's like, oh, my kids are very intrigued by fruit snacks. I'm going to buy a box. I'm going to put three food snacks on their lunch plate every day for three days, then every other day, then I'm going to slowly wean it off until they're like, oh, fruit snacks, no big deal. I'm not going to talk about it anymore because I know, I know what they are. I've had them. It's another food, you know? So that's like one of my strategies for getting a food off of a pedestal, but then like incorporating it now and then sometimes giving your kids the chance to eat as much as they want, sometimes giving them the chance to have a limited portion because that's real too. You know, yeah. you can't go to a potluck and well, I mean, you could go to a potluck and eat all the dessert you wanted, mm-hmm. but <laughs> if, if not everybody has had their fair share or there's like a limited amount, you know, we, there are times where you can only have one ice cream cone, yeah. <laughs> you know? So helping our kids learn all the social situations and how they can uh, manage their body yeah. is good. And I, I love that you've like highlighted kind of the psychology too, that it's not just, we know a lot of sugar is not good for you. So you can't just make it off limits because the kid's going to be intrigued by sugar. So we have the higher brain as moms, right? And we're like, okay, yeah, you're right. intrigued by fruit snacks. Okay. Let's buy some fruit snacks instead of being like, right. I'm afraid she, all she will eat is fruit snacks. We can't have fruit snacks in the house yeah. because things will you know, right. go out of control. So um, it goes back to the first thing you said, mom's in charge and we got to be right. smarter than these yeah. kids. But we can also like listen and engage them. Like you are telling me that fruit snacks are so yeah. important to you right now. I need to hear that and provide you with some fruit snacks. Right. People are always like, well, what are there any non-negotiables? I mean, for me, like soda is one of those things. I don't want to put my money behind it yeah. personally. Now other people don't have that same thing. And each of us have, I think, things where we're like, you know what? I just, because of who I am, I can't really buy that. But I could see myself potentially engaging my child on this uh, against my better judgment. Like, no, 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 I'm not going to feed my kid cigarettes. I'm not going to feed my kid alcohol. I'm not going to feed my kid anything illegal or like, you know, that I'll have to say, hey, you know, that's not for you. But even coffee, you know, my husband makes a little quote kid coffee. It takes it off the pedestal. It has three drops of coffee in it and a bunch of milk. Mm-hmm. And they feel like they can engage and it's not this forbidden thing. And, you know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. So much good stuff, Jennifer. I have so many other questions that I would love to ask you, but guess what? I think you've answered lots of them over on your Instagram. So for anyone listening, if she hasn't answered your exact question, go check out her Instagram, her highlight bubbles, your posts. You should be following Jennifer. I feel like this has been therapeutic for me with (laughs) even for my own eating. Seriously, reevaluating my thoughts and feelings and emotions around food because it is a highly charged emotional issue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, can you tell everyone where can they find more about you and your programs and everything that you have to offer? Yeah. So kidseatingcolor.com, that's where you'll find the meal plan and the picky eater program, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, you name it. I'm there doing, doing the nutrition thing and helping parents feel less stressed. Thank you so much, Jennifer. You're amazing. Thanks for joining the Mom Force. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and come join the conversation over on our Mom Force Facebook group and check out the show notes for a special chapbooks discount code. Until next time. <laughs>